Hey Sylvia, it's May 19th. It's a Tuesday night, a little after 10 p.m. here in Istanbul. And it's rather embarrassing that after me going on so much in my last couple of letters uh, about how we need to send letters more frequently because there's so much to say, it's taken me over two weeks to send you this one. So we can just say I've had a little bit of letter writer's block or something. But actually, it's you know, it's not for lack of wanting to write a letter, and it's definitely not for lack of material. I've just, it's just been a little up and down, and it's taken me a while to to uh, sit down and concentrate and and put put my words and my thoughts in order, I guess. So, yeah, and and your your last letter you touched on so many points um and i've chosen a few to reflect on here and and build on a bit but before i do that actually i want to say a few more words about self love which i i mentioned in my i think last letter um and i think i might have misspoken in a way when I was saying that, you know, my parents didn't instill me with self-love. I'm not sure. I mean, one thing, you know, you also talking about being a mother and everything. I was thinking about this and, you know, what a what a huge, tremendous responsibility <laughs> it would be to instill someone with self-love. And I'm not sure. I mean, that's, you know, the whole concept is so huge. Um, I don't think we can put that on one person and... I think, and I mean, in some ways, it's something you can instill. It's something you should maybe model, which which is difficult. Which is a you know a lifetime of development of an individual, in and of itself. So, and I think also saying that is you know it's very different. Um, the whole idea of inst- instilling self love or even mirroring self love and loving. So, you know, it's not to say that my parents didn't love me. <clears throat> I think. Um, well, I know that they both did in their own ways, um, but the whole idea of of what to what degree they might have modeled self love is a whole another quagmire that we could maybe um, discuss another time. But maybe something to think about this this idea of how yeah how how you're modeling in a way right and and not not. And again, it's huge responsibility for parents, uh, but even it's for people for you know, in the world and influencing kind of at all ages and such. Um, it, it's a thing. It's it's obviously much. It's it's a bigger pressure when you're dealing with uh, younger people. But yeah, this the idea of modeling self love versus also just the absence of shame. I think um, is there maybe two things we could juxtapose and and think about um, and what kind of you know responsibility we have to ourselves and others in in developing self love and ridding ourselves of of shame um, the the topic of shame of course came up in your letter and this idea of Pope John Paul staring down (laughs) 
from the wall. I mean, I laughed, but it must have been awful. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, even though we, we weren't using the word shame, maybe, but as children, we, yeah, we, the, the, especially as girls, I think we we're surrounded by all of these elements of our cultures um, that really made us feel this this type this shame right um but i'm gonna i'm gonna say some more to that in a little bit um i did i did i wanted to make sure that i i spoke a little bit to the idea of this you know time and memories and the self-reflect self-reflection which i've been doing a lot of still um and this this kind of idea, I was just thinking the the concept of making memories, when you mentioned, or when you when you um, spoke about the confetti, um, in my hair, which I don't remember that moment, but as soon as you described it, I felt like I did. It completely came alive for me, and I could yeah totally see it happening. And I thought you know the wonderful photo on my refrigerator um, that you sent from the wedding which which means a lot to me um so yeah this this idea of 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 um making memories right and kind of the effort it also just made me think about this whole idea which I think I mentioned when I was talking about from you know, that everybody wants to be loved, but it's very hard. It's harder to love. People are always focused more on receiving it rather than giving. And, uh, yeah, it's something I think about a lot these days. So I know I wrote to you that I was reading this book, uh, How We Desire by Karolin Imke. And I wanted to talk a little bit about it. It also ties back into this, our, our wonderful theme of childhood and <laughs> and, and shame um but yeah I totally related to this and it's you know a wonderful narrative it's 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 you know autobiographical um and kind of it's the author looking back at 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 it's not even really a friendship but a relationship with this kid another kid at at their school and who who commits suicide and you know what what led them down different paths really uh, growing up in this kind of, you know, especially a culture where, I mean, it's interesting because I really related to it because we grew up in similar times. I feel like we grew up in similar times and places. I mean, obviously she's in Germany and and I was in the small town U.S., but the kind of, it, it just felt extremely r- relatable. And, uh, you know, so I, I wrote down a few themes that she talks about that... Uh, yeah, it really struck a chord with me. And so, you know, this inability to understand what we feel when we when we don't know those feelings exist and how to express what we want when there are no, when there are no concepts for it. And I know we've, we've talked about this before. Um, and and I've, I've mentioned it in my letters within the whole idea of, you know, um, growing up gay when you had no model for it you didn't know what it was or what you were feeling there are no words and no concepts um that that's yeah it's kind of it's kind of crazy and it seems so foreign now because we're so kind of 
um, now what was popular culture and, and well, having grown up and, and, and had all these experiences, but especially, I think, yeah, especially, especially with, with, with technology, what it is and social media and all of this and the way that so many people do have access. Obviously there are some who don't, but so many people do have access to so many images and positive images now. And I just think, wow, what a freaking revolution, right? Um, and, and just how important that is, uh, which is especially, I mean, <laughs> striking for me these days because in, in Turkey right now, there's quite a backlash against, uh, LGBT with the beginning of Ramadan, the <clears throat> director of religious affairs, which is, uh, yeah, a department or ministry here, very well funded one, um, you know, kicked off Ramadan with a sermon in which, and I have to bring up the quote because I, I got it for you here. Well, there's a translation for it here. When he says, Islam curses homosexuality because it causes diseases and causes the lineage to decay. Um, and then President Erdogan <clears throat> stood up and defended him. And yeah, and then now just last week, it seems to be quite orchestrated, but in all these you know, newspapers and, and, and on social media, there's been quite, quite a lot written about the LGBT movement. Well, first of all, this being very sinful, of course, and then I think it's also, well, Netflix, you know, Netflix is, is, is incredibly evil and just all their shows have all this gay stuff unnecessarily and they're just trying to <clears throat> propagate it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's some other you know, geopolitics involved here and, and then really targeting Netflix in particular. Uh, but at the end of the day, what they're doing is they're really <clears throat> playing on people's prejudices and, yeah, really kind of normalizing this, this hatred. So it's really sad to see things kind of go back, you know, when we were having these growing you know, pride marches, <clears throat> growing by the thousands and everyone, you know, over 100,000 people just a few years ago and now... They're all banned, and now we're <clears throat> having to face all of this hate speech. So, yeah, the idea that they might you know, do something with Netflix or they ban... I mean, in, in, well, in Turkey's own popular media, um, pop culture, there's, especially with TV shows and whatnot, I think there's definitely... It's, it's, there have only been a couple of gay characters in TV shows that I know of ever, and those were quite a while ago, and recently there was also a kind of this teen, you know, this TV show featuring these teenagers in, in high school and supposedly there was a, a gay character and they got scared and cut it out and it's been quite controversial here. So, um, but I do think this whole, you know, the visibility stuff, it matters and I don't, you know, I think the breadth of our imaginations definitely goes beyond what we're shown, um, but you need some sparks. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I think I just, I just, yeah, it's, 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 it's hard to deal with. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to read these things and look at these people and think, you know, read these reactions and stuff and think, really, you know, is this a reason to hate people? It's pretty ridiculous. Um, yeah, so that's, that's been kind of, that's been kind of tough. Um, and, and yeah, I'm kind of grateful for Netflix these days for more than one reason. 
But yeah, another thing that Imke in in her book touches on, which has always been a, uh, uh, I don't know if you call it a sore spot. I'm not sure what the expression really is, but is this this idea of whether or not it matters that you're born this way. I mean, I have to say I can't stand that song. <laughs> um, you know, the whole, the, and I always found it I- extremely upsetting, this defense that we're made to, or I feel forced. And I didn't originally feel forced. It's a defense, you quote-unquote defense, I mean, because you have to be on the defensive, right? This this defense that I embraced originally, the idea that, of course, I wouldn't be a lesbian if I had a choice, right? That Because the whole idea then is that you would never be something so despicable unless you were born this way, right? Genetically predisposed to it and... Um, and they're not just predisposed, but, you know, that's how you're wired and you can't help it. You can't help but do this awful, awful thing, which the whole, so the whole approach, I mean, I understand it as a, as a, as, as a mechanism for saving lives in a way, or maybe, I don't know, garnering the understanding of some people or partial understanding in a way, getting yourself accepted. But yeah, I have the same, it's similar to what I was saying before, I think about this, you know, the thing with pride, and I understand the idea of pride to counteract, you know, shame, but it still makes me very uneasy um, because of my hang-ups with humility and whatnot, too. Um, but, yeah, I was I was glad she said that. Um, and now with all of this, all of this coming up here in Turkey and everybody talking about this again, it comes up again for me. So you kind of have to say, well, you see a lot of people defending and saying, oh, well, it's normal to be, it's normal to be LGBT and people are born this way and whatnot. And you think, why do we have to defend ourselves like this? Right. And who, you know, I think I've mentioned, I love this book, you know, the, the trouble with normal by Michael Warner, which I read, I think when I was in college and it just put, it, it, you know, it put names to all of these things I'd been thinking, these issues I had with kind of the mainstream LGBT movement. And I was very grateful for that. Um, that, yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, if you're going to have pride, I don't think being normal is, is something <laughs> to be proud of. Um, you know, norms are there, they're a social reality, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, just watching this whole discourse is kind of depressing. Um, and, yeah, it brings me to... So I, I, I limited myself to three points as well um, in the MK book. Otherwise, I would go on for hours. Uh, but it's just, you know, towards the end when she makes this statement, and she says, you know, I'm also queer because it makes me happy. And I thought, oh, that's so key to the whole... to this whole conversation, right? Um that the so so that takes you off the defensive and and just lets you yeah be be there with your happiness and say you know what yeah this this makes me happier this is you know this is where i feel at home um and you know it's it's possible to exist in places where you don't feel at home but ultimately that's what you strive for right within yourself and without yourself um and so 
yeah, I'm also queer because it makes me happy is 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 my favorite sentence these days. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, moving on to Fiona Apple. You know, I I think I we've talked about her so much, but I was I've never been a huge fan. I've always kind of admired her. I've always thought that I should like her music more than not that I should like it more than I that, that I should I should be passionate about it in a way that I never really have been. Um I find her interesting. She seems a great artist, but until this album, it didn't and it didn't speak to me so much. And I've thought of, I've thought about that and wondering why it might be and I think there's something about her I don't know that it, it's the whole I I feel like our um we don't overlap that much she feels very different to me but with you know with fetch the bolt cutters that's kind of changed and I think musically as well because it also I love that that she just made this album at home um you know with friends basically and so it has this it really kind of takes me back to you know funky riot girl stuff and i don't know like maybe maybe go back and listen to mira again and stuff like that like i I like the whole this kind of amateurist amateurism of it in a way i mean both you know it's very hardcore um but it's it's un yeah i think it's just, it's it's more unrefined it's unrefined and raw in a different way also musically i think she's always been quite raw um but yeah it just it's yeah i i really like i really like this album and yeah the lyrics are are great and yeah and she is very kooky and I do love that about her and I read a couple of these you know long interviews or pieces about her when this album came out and that just yeah endeared her to me all the more she just sounds weird um (laughs) which I love and you know it made me think of is uh another weird woman artist uh, musical artist that I love and that's Nico Case I don't know if we've talked about Nico um, before, I can't recall, but Nico Case is someone I go back to again and again, and yeah, I was thinking I would, I would end, end this letter also with a song, with something a bit different, um, and so I don't know if you've listened to Nico at all, but she can have some very opaque lyrics, and she's kind of all over the place, I mean, something, but there's some things that I just absolutely love. I have no, I, I mean, I don't know what she means. It's very poetic. It's very open to interpretation. She has some things that are very straight, kind of head-on, obvious in a way too. But uh, yeah, she's she's great. And so uh, I thought I would end this on more of, of a of a lighter note <clears throat> by mentioning her song "Man," which I only actually recently realized she made a video for in 2016 um and it's yeah you have to look it up just watch this video of man um and listen to this song and I think uh I I loved I mean just listening to Nico Case say I'm a man that's what you raised me to be I'm not an identity crisis this was planned and (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know. It's so much fun in a way. And it's such a statement. I wasn't sure when it first came out. I mean, because you can never really tell. It's quite playful. But I wasn't sure if it was meant to be playful, or if it was ironically, politically fierce or what, you know, what's going on here. And I think you can you can take it in a lot of directions. And then I was looking to see what what she had to say about it, um, which I try not to do before I form my own opinion. But I was quite surprised um, when when she, you know she says man is definitely autobiographical and she's and so this is a piece in rolling stone and it says the song grew out of case's observations about the rigid way people often respond when she refers to herself as a guy as in i'm the guy i'm the kind of guy who everybody wants to remind you that you're a girl case says and i'm like not if i don't want to be i grew up in america man <laughs> which is so absurd and kind of cocky <laughs> and I uh, just funny. And then, so I'm just going to read you another paragraph. So more specifically, she grew up in America in the 70s and 80s when children were told they could be whatever they wanted without mention of gender. Okay, this is me speaking now. I'm not so sure about that. It seems like a very blanket statement. And I don't know. I, that sounds, yeah, kind of rose-colored glasses to me. Anyways, back to the quote. This, this is Nico Case. The 70s went out of its way to show little girls as firemen and stuff. Let's not hash it out and make it fire woman or fire person, Case says, noting that such gender distinctions only matter to humans. Is a lioness not a lion? Motherfucker. <laughs> oh, and so, I mean, I could, you know, like the feminist killjoy in me wants to kind of combat this, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I love it. I love it. So, yeah. Um, listen, watch, watch man and and see what you think and yeah just listen to these lyrics it's such it's i think it's a lot of fun and some food for thought and yeah it's good all right uh i think that's about enough for now i yeah i've, I've been noting your french your french movies but i have not i've only been watching how to get away with murder which I now I can't go on social media at all because the finale, as in the very last episode, so the end of six, season six, um, came out I think last week or the week before last, and I only started watching it a couple weeks ago, so I have to catch up, and I'm really afraid of spoilers this time. So yeah, but just increased my love of Viola Davis, and it sounds like someone thinks I should get off the phone. Yeah. Okay. Right, okay, next time, yeah, I'm reading a wonderful book called A Stranger's Pose by Emmanuel Duma, something very different, um, but um, it's this travelogue, musings, some poetry, photographs, it, it's a little bit of everything, um, but I think, yeah, I'm going to have something to say about it too, and it's this man's traveling, traveling to different cities of Africa, and yeah, just these kind of musings and observations, and I'll just leave you. Yeah, I, I've I've a very good friend of mine recommended it to me, and I'm very glad she did. Um, yeah, a stranger's pose, which is possibly one of the best titles ever. Okay, I'm gonna get off here and sign off before Tila gets really upset. Okay, all right, love you. Bye bye. <laughs>